Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksicles? I don't know. How's it going? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Today on the show, Stephen Van Zant, little Stephen, uh, is on the show, the guitar player for the E Street Band, also uh, an actor, played Sill on The Sopranos. He's also had, he has his first solo album out as little Stephen in nearly two decades called Soul Fire. You can get that. It's bands on the road, but it was it's exciting, man. Stephen Van Zant here in the garage with his bandana on, arrived in sandals. Long he was wearing long jeans and flip flops. In my recollection, flip flops. I was a little nervous to talk to him. A little bit nervous, but uh, it, you know, after the first few minutes, I think we we got into a groove, we got into a thing, we worked it out. What's happening with you? You all right? Everything okay? How's work? You doing all right? The house, uh, how's everything with the home life? Okay? How are the kids? All right? How's the boyfriend? How's the girlfriend? How's the husband? How's the wife? Everything good? How's your mom and dad? Everything all right? Holding up? No? Yes? No? Sorry. You going to be okay? You'll be okay, right? God damn, man. I am uh, back at it, running around, as you know, some of you from house to house. Not going door to door, but I'm recording here in this garage until I get my recording situation tight, the other joint, and uh, it's kind of weird. I'm I'm appreciating things more. It's strange when you you sort of uh, move things out of a house. It takes on a different smell. I guess when there's not cats actively shitting in it, three of them, all times of the day and night, it takes on a different different smell. Surprising, huh? That when your your house isn't filled with shitting cats and pissing cats, how uh, it changes the it changes the uh, the aroma of the home. I've been, I've been making myself do the comedy. You know, it, it doesn't take. You know, I don't have to force myself, but you, you know, I need the outlet, man. I I fucking need the outlet. I need to work shit out. You know what I mean? It's just that's where I work shit out. Yeah, I've been out there doing the work. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in my heart and my mind. And I got to, you know, sometimes I, I pull back from the stand-up. But then I realize, like, well, who am I going to talk to this stuff about if it isn't a room full of strangers? If I don't get on stage, I literally begin to lose my mind in, in, in what seems to be a, a very real way. I sort of become isolated inside my own head. And I don't, uh, like, I don't, 
Like there's, there's always this emotional storm sort of brewing up inside my brain and inside my heart. And I'm unable to communicate it in, in any, you know, normal way to other people. And, you know, I'm constantly absorbing things and just feeding that storm, feeding that fire. And it's just, there's nothing, there's never anything passive in my brain. Like if I'm not talking or I'm like, you know, or I'm, I seem distracted, I'm just shut the fuck down. There's nothing passive. I mean, some things are, are not on the daily docket and some things I just don't know about, but, uh, but there is an agenda up there in my head and it requires vigilance to manage because it is not always a pro mark agenda. And I need to be on stage to, uh, to make sense of my world, you know, which is just a fucking mixture of my perception of myself and the parts of the external world that compounding into my mind and in my eyes at all times. I mean, look, relaxing would be nice. It would be nice, but I just have this, this calling in my, I don't know if it's a calling, but I, I find myself saying like, I just got to figure this out. I, I just got to figure shit out. I just got to figure it out. But maybe that's just a bad habit. Cause I'm guessing I'm not ever going to figure it out. I should just stop trying but I can't. So there's stand up. That's the process. And yeah, you know, I made a little headway on some new bits the other night. Got me excited. I always think that there's not going to be any more bits after I dump an hour plus out into the world on a special, but then it starts. It just starts. I get excited about one thing and it just starts to bleed out and spread. And there's a freedom of mind that starts to happen. And that's sort of the, that's kind of the wildfire that I need. You know, the ones that are out in the real world, which are terrifying and destructive. I'd rather have the wildfires in my brain. You know, that's fine. That's fine. It's usually about 70% controlled. And uh, generally fueled by discomfort and discontent. I mean, and I've talked about this before. I think many of the reasons I, I feel those things have eased. But fortunately, or not, there's a bit at the core, a bit of, 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 of uh, discontent and discomfort at the core that will never ease up until I let go one way or the other. Right? You can feel that. You could have like a peace of mind if you just surrender a bit. Let go. Let go. Let go. You hear about that, you know? Let go. But I got to be honest with you, I do not, um, I don't know. I, I am not really trying to let go, which should really be the goal. But I don't know what I would be if I did let go. And clearly the fear of that guy is bigger than just being the anxious, dread-filled freak that I am most of the time. Just stoking that fire, 70% controlled in my brain. My, my mental wildfire, 70% controlled always trying to fucking get it not you know i don't want it out so i'm just sort of managing it managing it then like new stuff grows behind it in a year or so you know once it's done once it stops yeah but never stops fully stand up stand up is the treatment the relief the reaching out i mean i must assume all of us have that a bit at the core that discontent that unanswerable stuff that itch yeah i mean everybody has that right we also we all sort of know it's a ripoff right this whole thing right a joke that we know the end of right we know we know what we know the punchline we we know it we know that that final turn of phrase don't we all right so it's christmas maybe you should go by waiting for the punch words to live by from the wtf podcast for your friends relatives and family you know what i mean get it where you get books so little steven is here and as i said uh, earlier his first solo album 
uh, is out in it's nearly two decades. It's called Soul Fire, and it's a it's a it's a soulful re- it's R and B record, man. It's good, big band. It's a big band, and it's uh, it's cranking, man. And you can also see him with his band, The Disciples of Soul, in Brooklyn and Red Bank, New Jersey, this week. Go to littlesteven.com for tickets. And he just released a cover of the Ramones' "Merry Christmas." I don't want to fight tonight. You can get that as a digital single. This is me and Little Steven. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Casts. Fucking. So, when you're touring, like, uh, does it wear you out? You, 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 I mean, Jesus, you're, you're a little older than me. Do you, do you get tired? No, I mean, you're kind of like always tired. You know what I mean? Like, That's right. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't get jet lag because I'm always jet lagged. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't really. Doesn't really affect you that much, you know. You, you get into that zone where you're just sort of half awake all the time. Yeah. <laughs> then it's time to play. My whole life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just described my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wild, but I guess you know what else you can do. How, do you handle free time well at all? Do you, can you do it? No, I don't really have any. Uh, you know, when you're a writer, yeah. you, you know. Uh, of any kind, I think. Yeah. You, you never have any free time, you know? Yeah, that's true. But, like, yeah. are you able to sit down maybe on a boat or, you know, at home or in another country or on an island, anything? No. No, you can't do it? No, I had a vacation once, 1978, <laughs> and I didn't like it. That was I, it. I, I didn't get it. I, I, yeah. Where, where'd you go? Maybe that had something to do with it. Well, it? no, you know, my <laughs> wife got me tickets to the Super Bowl, you know, uh-huh. in Miami, which yeah. is nice, you know? Sure. Are you a Miami guy? Yeah, I, I I like it. I mean, I, I I've always uh, I've always wanted a house, you know, on the water somewhere, you know, and I never have done it, you know. So I keep it's like one of my yeah. fantasies. I'm I'm keep yeah. I keep it keep alive. Keep it away, yeah. You know, you might want to bite a little inland now. The water's creeping up. Well, so that's, might... that's that's the, that's the, what's one problem? Uh, the <laughs> this hurricane thing also yeah. is kind yeah. of like you know. Yeah, so I'm looking more like you know Mediterranean. You know, something yeah. like a little calmer. Yeah. You know? yeah. get out there. Yeah, maybe <laughs> off the coast of Italy somewhere. Exactly, but uh, it's just a fantasy. I'm never going to probably that's, do. But uh, that's interesting that you, you know, know you you uh, like I have those fantasies and and. But I, I'm, I, I believe that you have a bit more uh, uh, revenue than I do. So you would think that buying a don't house. Be, don't be so sure. <laughs> I, I can do a lot of things. I can, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, making money and, 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 and holding on to it is not one of my things, man. <laughs> That's not, you can make it, but you can't hold on to it. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Who, who else travels with a 15-piece band? Yeah, right? I got 30 people on the road. I'm playing clubs, okay? Yeah. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> 
I got an arena show in clubs right now. It's All right? for the love of the craft, for it's, the love of the music. It's, it's an expensive hobby. Okay, let me just <laughs> let me just ex- explain that to you right now. Uh-huh. Uh, the record sounds fucking great, though. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Like I, like I, you know, when I listen to, like, I haven't listened. I did, I did two things today that I never did before. I, I listened to, uh, to your new record, and I listened to uh, uh, Hearts of Stone, huh. which you produce, right? Yep. And like I never, I was never like a Southside Johnny guy, and I hadn't listened to him in a long time. Huh. And I just put it on, and I'm like, you know, the theme of the sound that you are part of, that I have to assume that you helped invent, runs all the way through it, and it seems to go all the way back to like stacks and to you know that kind of stuff, yep. right? Yep. Because yep. this new record's it's a real like soul record, it's a real R and B record. Yeah. Full force. Yeah, yeah. I just decided, you know, let me go back to what I'm most known for you know what i'm most uniquely known for in terms of my identity which is that rock meets soul thing you yeah know, that we created with Southside, right uh, on those three albums and then and then also did a reunion record in the 90s which is probably the best of them all the reunion with Southside, yeah called better days you get a chance to hear that one. Oh yeah yeah that's even the that's probably the best one of them all and then uh i carried it into my first solo album and then uh, all five of my solo albums were completely different musical genres. Every single one of them, I just I just changed completely because it was all about the politics back then for me. Right. And the music kind of came second in a sense of complementing whatever I was saying, you know. So I wasn't worried about consistency or career just, or, or anything like that, which was quite naive looking back on it, of course. <laughs> but... Um, it was just an artistic adventure for me. I, I wasn't looking at it like a career, like a business. Right, like, but you're uh, also delivering the message. It was all about the message. Then. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first time, and it was because of the political atmosphere, how different it was, how different it was in the '80s than now. A uh, very, very different political atmosphere, and so it was. Uh, I felt uh, you know different. Back, <laughs> it's pretty bad now. Well, I mean, the the, the lyrics of the songs hold up shockingly well <laughs> from the eighties. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is good and bad. Okay, yeah, yeah. But the atmosphere back then was I felt I felt obligated to be, you know, to shine some light on things that were kind of hidden and people thinking Ronald Reagan was God and, and I really didn't. And uh, there's a lot of bad things going on around the world, you know? Yeah, sure. And I felt like, you know, somebody needs to, like, start talking about this stuff in a bigger way. And uh, so, you know, and back then you're looking for for your justification for existence, you know what I mean? Like, did the world really need another, you know, romantic album of love songs from a sideman? You know what I mean? I I didn't think so. Let me, let me, let me me find something that's unique. So I'll be the political guy, you know. And that was like what for Voice of America? All of them, all uh, five, yeah. uh, really. Uh, and 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 then and, and plus Sun City, right? And, right. And right. Sun that. City. I remember yeah. Sun City. Yeah. I was I was very excited about Sun City. Yeah, it was very very successful, and, and uh, it made a difference. I think made a difference. Brought down the government. Yeah, if you call that making a difference, <laughs> a Mandela out of jail. Yeah, we did you some did good it. things back then. Um, but it was um, it was it was again a lot of that stuff was like. Behind, you know, it was hidden. You know, all that bad stuff we were supporting around the world. It, it's now, all, you know, no, no, I got no, I got no reason to explain Donald Trump. I mean, you know, he explains himself very well every single day, yeah. and I find that liberating in a funny kind of odd way. I feel like, wow, 
I can make a record now that's not political without feeling guilty. You right, because I mean? like he, this by 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 default, this is the most transparent administration we've ever had because he can't shut up. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. thank God he has that quality of like just <laughs> complete. You know, it's an odd kind of contradiction. You know, it's kind of a paradox because he's. Oh, nothing he says is true. Yeah, and then, but everything he says is is, is, is weirdly honest. And you know, at the same time, it's like his his true feelings are quite obvious. But he's you know, even though everything he's saying is, is probably and a it's lie, all, you know. And also, as an East Coast guy, you're familiar with the character, very. And he's really simple to understand. It's it's just all about the money. And 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 if you understand that. Yeah, you know, it solves a lot of the problems, you know, like in terms of trying to understand right. motivations and things like that. Just think of it as all about the money, yeah, but, but and, you know, which probably will keep us out of World War Three. Maybe because that's going to well, unless he finds a way to profit from it, you know, you know what I mean. But you but, know, but now he's the front man for a band of fucking craven, well, you know, fascists and religious fanatics. This is the point. <laughs> yeah, now you're on to the point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is the danger right now we're facing. Is uh, is not Donald Trump? I think he's just a massive distraction from the real problem, which is the Republican Party. You know? Yeah, it's dismantling and, you know, the thing well i'm just you know i'm, I'm i i carry I, I my attitude is like we need to save the republican party okay this is my attitude all right as a republican no and, as an independent yeah i feel like since we can't get a third party together in this country okay, yeah which is sad all right we really do need one uh-huh. but okay we're probably not going to get it so we need at least two yeah, right, yeah. and we need two that can have a reasonable discourse, right? right. That having you know intelligent yeah. and you know calm, yeah. and like reasonable people who can you know who can re- reason with each other, right? Sure, you know. And my father was a Goldwater Republican, yeah, right? ex-Marine Goldwater. Oh, Republican. You, you grew up with that, <laughs> yes. I was the generation gap, yeah. me, me and him. Uh, and, and you know, and I look back to that, and I'm like, he would not recognize the party at all. You know? Sure, uh, you know, the the true Goldwater Republicans are like more like libertarians, of course. You know, yeah. they're not they're not you know religious and yeah. forcing their religion on people and all that. Uh, we well, so, still got so, those guys around, but now there's a whole new breed of like I don't give a fuck about anything Republicans. Well, well, yeah, but that, but it's religious based. You Some see? of them, you know, yeah, yeah, Because right. now, I mean, it's only two issues, really. And when it comes down to it, it's only two issues where they're completely irrational, on the one hand, and uh, and un-American on the other issue, which is which is the the environment, which, you know. I've never understood how the environment became a democratic issue. You know what I mean? Sure. Isn't it, isn't it all the survival same of the planet? Yeah. yeah I mean, like, so what? I, what pisses me off is this: these nice little terms, you know, global warming and climate change. I'm like, why can't we just call it poison? Can we just call it poison? You know, <laughs> pollution. <laughs> Let's not stop confusing people. You're poisoning the, yeah. the the ship we're living on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's poison. You yeah. understand? How are you in favor of poison? I don't quite get that. So that's just irra- the, the irrational part of the Republican Party. And then the other issue is just equality. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's completely anti-American, un-American to not believe in equality, yeah. whether it's for women or for gays or, or whatever it may be. And that's... Race, everything. But that's all based on religion, you know, in my mind. But like, Goldwater Republic, that's interesting. So where you grew up in Jersey, though, right? Yeah. So when you were a kid, were you always going at it with your old man? Yeah. Uh, we, we, I'm telling you, we were the generation gap that people talk about. We were the exact opposites um, uh, for for a while there till till, you know, till they... Threw me out of the house. <laughs> you know, Wait, we, were you born in Jersey, though? I was born in Boston. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. First seven years. And Dude, then my, so you don't really remember that. 
Uh, not much. No, I, I don't remember. My, I remember my grandfather taking me to the Italian section. Of oh, yeah, town. the North End. But anyway, that's all I remember. But uh, yeah, my mother remarried, and uh, this. Uh, Dutch, so this is the guy Dutch, that the Dutchman adopted me and got me the Dutch name, and, and uh, so that's who you see as your father. Yeah, I never knew my original father. Yeah, yeah, yeah which I, but I'm hundred percent Italian. Did he yeah. pass or did? Yeah, yeah oh. he, he, many years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I but, never never knew him. Never met him again. Wait, oh, so like, he, but he was alive during your childhood. You just never sought him out, right? Oh. Yeah, well, that's you feel all right about that. Yeah, you know, I'm like the the guy who adopted me. That was the ballsy move. You yeah, know? yeah. And in those in the fifties, man. You yeah. Know, adopt, you know, to marry a woman with a kid. And, Did he have kids? Uh, well, there are two more after me. Oh, really? You know, I mean, well, your mom. I got a brother and sister. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Wild, good guy. But yeah, yeah, very conservative. Ex-Marine, Goldwater Republican in every sense of the word. I mean, so when did you get thrown quiet. out of the house? Same time I got thrown out of school uh, <laughs> last year. <laughs> last year of high school. And the, what year was that? So the, the, the country must have been coming apart. 67, 68. How did you avoid the draft? Well, I went down. I, I got drafted and went down there and had yeah. a long talk with the guy. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> so explain this to me again. The long talk. Because I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Just explain to me. Yeah, if you can if you can explain to me why I'm going, you know, ten thousand miles away to kill somebody. Yeah, I'll do it. I'm you know I yeah. got no problem killing people. You know if that's if that's, <laughs> if that's the issue. If it has I mean, to be done. You know, well, I mean when they, you know at, 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 you know they, they when they land on you know and they land on in Belmar here. Yeah, you know yeah. I'll be the first one down there with a gun. I mean you know that's <laughs> Belmar. You know, but but you know until they you know until yeah. they're attacking you know Seabright. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. The boardwalk. Know? So yeah, the board walks you know under, yeah. So just explain it to me, you know. And uh, he starts telling me about communism. You know? I'm like, all right, stop right there. Yeah. What, what's communism? Yeah, exactly. He couldn't even begin to explain what that was. You, uh-huh. know? you know. Well, it's you know, so <laughs> dictatorship kind uh, of. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm like, well, all right, you know. And I didn't even know about the history at that point. So in the end, you know, we had this conversation, and, and I'm like, you know. This ain't for me, babe. You know? <laughs> and he said, okay, right. thanks yeah. for dropping by. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, he says, fill out this, this column A, column B. He says, check check that whole column B. Which is like you a know, psychiatric, like, conscientious Yeah, psycho, drug right. addict, uh, homosexual. Uh, he just you went know, through the whole menu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, you know, sure. I'll, sure. I'll, I'll be all those things. <laughs> you know, but, you know. Well, that was that early on? I mean, it's nothing sort of, personal. It's surprising <laughs> that they let you do that. Well, you know. I don't think they were looking to put people in jail exactly, you know? Yeah. If you really felt strongly about it, I don't think they really cared, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, they made an example, you know, out of Muhammad Ali, you know? Which right. Was, which was a tragedy. When, when did you start playing? Uh, just a year before the the Beatles hit, you know? My my grandfather started teaching me the guitar. Like 60? Um, uh, I was 12 or so, which was 63, 63. Yeah. Yeah. Sixty-two, sixty-three. Your grandfather. Your, yeah, uh, my Italian. My mother's father. Yeah. Um, taught me the song from his uh, town in Calabria. Oh yeah. Every, every town had a, a theme song. song. Yeah. And so I started learning that, and then um, of course February 9th is the Big Bang. You know, nineteen sixty-four. Everybody for everybody your generation, man. That night. That night was it. Without a doubt. Yeah. That Without was... a doubt, the Big Bang of rock and roll, man. You know, and for some people, the a little older, the Big Bang was the same TV show. Uh, Elvis. what eight years earlier, right? Yeah. You know, when, when, when Elvis. It's wild though when you think about it, and I know you do think about it because you're you're in it all the time. Is that you know rock and roll as a form is not that old, 
you know, what, 57, 50? What do, you, what do you think was the first rock song? Rock at 88 or well, Rock Around the, the Clock? We talk about that stuff, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, you could you could, you could could say that. I mean, certainly Rock Around the Clock was the first big success. Yeah. You know, that was the first number one rock and roll record. Yeah, yeah. You know, on its second release. Sure. As its uh, as a theme song to the, to the movie Blackboard Jungle. That uh, kind of opened the door. Yeah. And then soon after, um, Elvis had the uh, number one with Jailhouse. Uh, with uh, Heartbreak Hotel, uh, you know that was that, right after. Yeah, it was right after. Yeah, and so that was a one-two punch that really said, you know, here we come. You know, here yeah. comes this cult. This cult is gonna about to stage a coup on the charts. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it slowly, slowly, you know, started to take over because rock and roll was not pop music yet. It, it was, was still a cult, you know, and right, right up, really up until, you know, it started to, in, in the 50s, I mean, the, the brave white DJs like Alan Freed, you know, started playing these black records for white kids, you know. For, and, yeah, for, for a little money. A little money world. on the side. Hey, baby, yeah. I pay up. That, that's money <laughs> well it. spent, all right? <laughs> yeah. Money well spent. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he took the money after he played the record, not before. Yeah. <laughs> All right, which you know, I wish somebody would do for me. But that's, that's another story. <laughs> you know, so it was not payola, yeah, per se. Right. All right. It was. It was, it was, it was uh, gratitude. Yeah. Thank All you right? very much. Here's yeah. a little something. That's right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with right. that. That's my, right. In my mind. So hint, like so yeah okay hint, hint. so yeah. <laughs> what, do, what do you need? I got, <laughs> I got a few bucks. <laughs> US well, it started. You could say Rocket '88. You could say How Many More Years yeah. from Howlin' Wolf. You could, you know, both of which were produced by Sam Phillips, that unbelievable genius. For me, Lieber and Stoller were the beginning of, of the modern, you know, uh, uh, songwriter producers. Yeah, and they began to have that bigger sound. They brought strings in. Uh, Phil Spector, of course, uh, would yeah. have, would have that that big sound with horns, but not featuring the horns so much. But they would, but they would be part of that big, you know, layer band. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the real, you know, what I related to earliest on was 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 Motown. You know, Motown was really the first to start combining strings and horns and background vocals. And to me, the Motown model is what I'm using now. Yeah. You know, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but you had some. You had the Four Seasons also making big records. So the big records were Lieber and Stoller, Phil Spector, uh, Motown. Uh, Curtis Mayfield later. Mayfield. You do a song uh, on there that's a little Curtis Mayfield, a little Isaac Hayes. Yeah. On the new but record. Also, but also uh, also uh, Alan Toussaint out in, out in New Orleans, too. So, yeah. So, yeah. You, know, you, got, you get that combination of uh, Memphis yeah. and, and, you know, and Atlantic. It, and, you know. Isn't that interesting that, like, as a, as a guy who grows and becomes sort of, uh, uh, you know, a, a student of all this stuff, that still at the beginning, the thing that delivered the message was the Beatles. And then you had to go back and get this stuff, I imagine. Oh, I never heard of any of this stuff. <laughs> right. I never heard of Chuck Berry. Right? I'm telling you right now. And I never heard of Muddy Waters. I never heard of uh, you know, Bo Diddley. I never heard of these people. Yeah. The only reason I knew Elvis Presley's name was because my grandmother used to buy his records and, yeah. and dance around in the living room. To, it's wild, right? I'm like, who's that, Nana? That's Elvis Presley. You know, you know. that's all I heard. You know. So when you started playing, what were you playing? Well... Right after the Italian folk song, I went right to the, the. It was the Beatles, you know, that first. When the Beatles hit February 9, nineteen sixty-four, they op- You know, keep in mind we 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 got introduced to the Beatles halfway through their career. Yeah. Okay. They've been going since fifty-eight. They were yeah. gone. They were gone in sixty-nine. So we we met them halfway through their career. So they were quite sophisticated. They were they were sophisticated beyond 
what we could relate to in a, in a direct way, but but it but they opened up a new world to us. It's like wow. With that first record or the second record? Yeah, oh, first yeah. record. Well, I mean, we 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 got the second record thinking it was the first. Yeah. All right. The Meet the Beatles was right. actually with the Beatles, which is actually their second album. But, yeah. But we got it first. Right. Which was twice as remarkable because of the composition level at that point. Kind of crazy. Was, was, like was when already, you think about it. Yeah. But they but they but they were they were too perfect. They, you know, the harmony was perfect. Their hair was perfect. The clothes were perfect. It was an. It was here is another world, which was the most important thing. Yeah. There was another world that, that was out there yeah. that we could now fantasize the about. The aliens have arrived, especially when you're a, a misfit <laughs> in, in Jersey, know, freak, yeah. not fitting in yeah. anywhere. Right? It's were like, you? Wait a minute. Maybe there's hope. Were you uncomfortable with you? Oh in? no, I, I couldn't relate to anything. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Zero. I, I was like an alien from another planet waiting <laughs> waiting for my ship yeah, to arrive, my you know? Ma- Get me back to my planet, yeah, baby. Where's my agenda? And, here, my- and here it comes, <laughs> right? That spaceship landed in Central Park and the Beatles cut came out, right? <laughs> yeah. But but they were too good, yeah. you know? And then, you know, and then Dave Clark 5, same thing, you know? Really, really good. And, uh, and, and then, but luckily, four months later, the Rolling Stones came. Okay. Oh, the stones. Which, which was just changed everything. A little dirty. A little dirty, a little, a little loose. And they didn't have the harmony, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're you know, they're a little sloppy and blues, the clo- blues. clothes were yeah. different and and most importantly, the moment that changed my life for yeah. real for yeah. the second you know, another, right. another moment that changed my life was seeing Mick Jagger for the first time. He was the first guy in the in show business that I had ever seen yeah. who did not smile. <laughs> okay? Yeah. I never seen that. Before. Is that true? That's true. If you look, think, look, look, look at all the show business people up till then, right? Yeah, they were all you know having a good time and kind yeah. of entertaining, a, entertaining. Yeah, it was show business. Sure. Well, him not smiling to me, yeah, was okay. This is a lifestyle. This uh-huh. is not show business. Uh huh. Okay. Right. And that's what I really related to. I was like, oh, okay. That's 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 right because the Beatles with the matching outfits that was still show business. Yes, and clearly yes. very polished. Very yes. yeah, that was show business because that that goes back a bit. The matching outfits they yes. just uh, they were white guys doing it. Yes. right. That's so right. then the so then the Stones come out. It's like hey, what's with the scarf? Where'd that guy get those boots? Why is that guy unhappy? Hey, this is a way of life. That's right. <laughs> Big the, difference. Yeah. Okay. And to me, that was it. And so. Of course, they made it look easier than it was. I mean, yeah. you know, they were also fantastic, uh, which you know. It it, but it, early on, like, what could you notice that difference? Because what would you say the difference was between the Beatles and the Stones? Essentially, essentially, the Beatles were a, a, a pop vocal oriented group, yeah, and the Stones were a blues instrumental oriented group, right? They had instrumentals on their records, sure, yeah. yeah. Right away, yeah. So right, right. what yeah. was that? You yeah. know, that was weird. Well, you know, oh, right on that first album, boom, yeah, twenty one twenty South Michigan yeah, yeah, Avenue. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah. now I got a witness. I think they oh, had yeah. two instrumentals that maybe on the fe- on I'm presenting. Sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe one of them was on twelve by five, but but you know, but they were they were doing instrumentals right away. You know, both Mick and and Brian were playing harmonica, and uh, you know. Did you listen to that new one, the New Stones Blues record? Yeah, it's he, he's yeah. back on the harmonica, and he's yeah. pretty. It sounds good, man. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's wild. It's good, uh, you know. Yeah, I wish he spent a little more time on it, but 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 you know, <laughs> you know, come on, Mick. Yeah, you yeah. are good at this. Yeah, yeah. You know, get, couple more days. Get great. Yeah, yeah. You know right what I mean, he needs you know he needs somebody encouraging him to take it to that next level. You know. Yeah, yeah. But but as a record, of course, it was yeah. a. 
Wonderful. Well, maybe Mick will get it. Maybe he'll get it. Great get. idea. <laughs> well, he was good, but you know, Brian was better, you know. On the harp. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and you know, and Mick, I think I think he could be good if he actually applied himself no, to it. No, I think, it, yeah, because you know. he can single out the notes. You know, he's got oh, yeah. a feel for it. He, oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's some good harp playing, but, but you know, but yeah, it should yeah. be great at yeah, this point, yeah. which it could be. Yeah, it I think he puts it down for a decade or two. Exactly. You could tell, you know, it's like, okay, he's kind of getting back into it, but, you know, come on, you know, Mick. Let's work a little harder here. Come on, you know. A little yeah, you guys are like still the greatest thing, and, yeah. and and that was the most successful record I think in decades for them, which is great. It was a pretty exciting record somehow. Uh, brought them back to the roots, which is which is it great. Right. Could have been yeah. their first record. That 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 lineup of songs could have been their first record. It was great. It was a great idea, and I'm glad they pulled it off. So, what was yeah. your first band? Uh, called the well, I, I joined a band, a local band uh, called the Shadows in uh, Jersey. Uh, in Jersey, as a singer. Yeah. And then shortly after, that was 65, and six, by 66, I had my own band called The Source. I had stolen a name from a, a group in, in, in uh, New York. You know, I used to go up to Greenwich Village yeah. on, on the weekends at the Cafe Wa and see groups in the afternoon. Late 60s? Uh, this is, uh, yeah, 66, 67. Oh, yeah, who'd you see? Um, well, I just missed Jimi Hendrix. He, he was just there. Uh, and then uh, he went uh, to England. Yeah, that yeah, I just missed him. But... Uh, um, I saw you know, the only the only the only notable uh, name really was in that group, the Source. Yeah, that I took the name from was a guy named John Hall, who would later become uh, a, a, a congressman. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's your that's your big rock and roll in the late '60s that's story. It, man. And he and he was phenomenal yeah. back then. He was a genius, really, a musical genius. And he became a congressman. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he got voted out at the moment in, in the bloodbath of uh, a few years ago. Uh, but, um, the Source. That was the name of the band. That was my so I took that name and and that was my first real band. What were you playing? I was playing guitar, lead what guitar, songs? and were you singing original. Shit? Oh. Oh no no, no. We were doing album tracks. We were doing um, we were doing some some top forty. Like uh, we do, we would do some Temptations and uh, some hits at the time. But we were also doing tracks from the Who's first album and the Young Bloods yeah. and Buffalo Springfield. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. So by by you know by sixty seven sixty eight, you know the FM radio had started and the album thing had started. So we're kind of combining right. Uh, some of the hits on radio, on AM radio, with uh, some of the with FM stuff. You know, when did you start writing? I started writing right away, and didn't really like anything I wrote for for uh, seven years. Okay, literally, I was like, I was writing and, and just throwing them away, and like, just wasn't getting anywhere. And you were playing all down the shore mostly. Yeah, yeah, it was a wonderful time to grow up. Wonderful time. We were, we had we had all kinds of places to play. We had the high school dances. We had the VFW halls. We had the we had the, the beach clubs. You know, it what town just, were you? Where'd you grow uh, up? Middletown, um, but it was you know just uh, whatever it was, twenty minutes from the ocean. You yeah. Know, so you know, um, it was just it was just a wonderful. Our generation was very lucky that way. We, yeah. we had actual teenage nightclubs. Sure. Latin Devu was one of them. What was your first electric guitar? I had an Epiphone, and and then I traded in for a Telecaster. You so know? you're a Tele guy. Yeah, and uh, and and one day, you know, and, and you know, 
and me and Bruce had become friends, and uh, and we actually became even closer friends by running into each other in Greenwich Village on the weekends. Huh. You know, he was doing the same thing I was in the late sixties. Yeah, seeing 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 the bands there who were a year ahead of New Jersey. Yeah, so we would pick up things and go back and make our bands. So cool. you ran into him there too. Yeah, so we became even closer friends at but that. But you point. just knew him from the block kind of from thing? the circuit. Yeah, he you was know, in a band. You were in a band. Everybody. There were no bands in America February eighth. Yeah. The Beatles played February 9th. February yeah. 10th, everybody had a band, all right? <laughs> it's just, it was like that. Mostly in the garage, yeah. right? Rehearsing. Yeah. Well, maybe a dozen groups in our area came out of the garage and actually played. So you knew them all. And he right. was, he, his was one of them and mine was one of them. What was his call? He had the Castiles. Oh. I had the Source. You know? And he was singing and playing? Yeah, yeah. We were both- um, Front men? Well, actually- uh, yeah, but he had a couple other singers also in the band as yeah, well. Yeah, I think he, yeah, I think you he know, mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I was a main singer for me, right? For, in, my, in my lead guitar and arranger and you know, basic yeah leader. You know, so you got the source. He's got the Castiles, and you yeah. run, you see each other around. Then you run into him in in, in New York. Yeah, on and a we, weekend. So, yeah, so we became even closer f- from from that, but. Uh, did you talk about music right away? Uh, oh, yeah, that's all we talked about. Yeah? That's it. We were both. Was he a Telecaster guy then, too? Well, no, this is the point. So, yeah. so, so no. And, and so at, at some point, he came to me and says, you know, I'm thinking about switching. You know, can I, can I switch to the Telecaster? He, you know, he asked my permission. You know, because you couldn't, you're, you're, you know, you were, you were that, you were your guitar in right. those days, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was the telly guy, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. So he asked my permission to become a telly guy, you know. In the neighborhood. And so I said, all right, all right, I'll switch to something else. I'll switch to Saturday. Oh, Saturday you, had, yeah. you had to switch? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody had their, their guitar, their sound, their thing, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. So he switched to, he went to telly. He stuck with it. He stuck with it. As a, he's a telly guy. Yeah, man, all the way. So when did you guys start playing together? Right after that, we started, you know, uh, we'd be in a different band every three months, four months. Yeah. And um, sometimes he'd play in my band, I'd sometimes play in his band. Yeah. And uh, we started playing together right right then, 68, 69. What was that first band 70. called, your band? before? Um, didn't you guys do a hard, that, a hard rock band together, or was he in a hard rock band? Well, yeah, remember. he started, uh, yeah, Steel Mill. Steel, Steel Mill, was, right. Uh, it was like, a, I mean, hard, yeah, hard-ish. I mean, it was hard for then, but... Um, Were you in that it one? Was more, yeah, I played bass in that band. Um, then I had the Sundance Blues Band, Sundance you know, Blues Band, and, I sure. think he, and he played rhythm in that for a while. And these were bands that played gigs, all these different bands. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Sundance Blues Band was that? Was it a blues band? Yeah, straight up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Southside Johnny in, in that one, and uh, you know, I mean, we just you know we're just finding finding our way. You know what I mean? You, you go through different phases. We had a country band for a while. Did you? What was that yeah. called? Oh geez, something stupid, you know, because it was some it was the, some other guy had, was the main guy. Yeah, I'll be something. Yeah, so and what was like, it? What was the name of that joint you all started living in and hanging around down there? Upstage that, Club. Yeah, well, the Upstage right. Club was the main. You know, that's what I mean. That was you're there from eight o'clock at night till five in the morning. Yeah, for kids. Right. You know, this is for, you know, for no booze. Yeah. You know, and you know, there's nothing so you like could that play now. All night. Yeah. Yeah. 
And didn't I you meet get, people? You were, know, were you all living at a surf? A guy who made surf. Well, that was a little lady. He, he, Bruce lived in a surfboard factory <laughs> off and on. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that was good for the lungs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. Oh, you didn't live there too. Uh, no, I stayed there a few times, but I was like, mm, this is not for me. Uh, <laughs> then, then me and Bruce moved to an apartment in Asbury, and then we had uh, another apartment where me and Southside Johnny and others lived together. So you know we're kind of living together more or less at that. But same it was time. that it was that 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 kids club, the the upstage. Yeah, that was like the the place where everybody met. We, where we met Southside Johnny, where we right. met, uh, uh, you know, like Vinny Lopez and Danny Federici and Gary Talent and all all of those guys were living either in Asbury or Neptune or, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we were kind of like um, the Jersey Shore guys who came down. So I, I quit playing at some point, like seventy two. I was like, "Man, we missed it. We missed the boat. All the great stuff's done." Oh yeah, it's you know? over. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. So I started working construction on the highway, and I'm playing football on the weekend, and I broke my finger. Ugh. Still bent. Yeah. And uh, to exercise my finger, I joined this band playing piano. Yeah. And that band ended up becoming the backup group for the Dovells on the what was called the Oldie Circuit. Right. Now, the oldie circuit was a ironic and, and, and tragic sort of thing because all of these, the British invasion came over and basically put all their heroes out of work. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. At the, at the, I mean, in their but 30s. Also, but also uh, introduced the, this country to the blues. Well, it, 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 did, it did both. It yeah. introduced us to all of their heroes, yeah. which, we, which you know, we, we all <laughs> learned about, and then put them all out of work well, yeah, at because, the same time. Uh, right. A lot so. of them had like two or three hits, right? Uh, you that know, was like, it. And if you had two or three hits, you had two or three hits for the rest of your life. Right. No more recording. That, that was it. It was sad, it's sad it's you know. Sad, yeah. So they're all pissed off being called oldies in their in their thirties and early forties, right? And they're touring together, right, on a bus, five well, or six of them. Yeah, well, well, yeah. The uh, the Richard Nader oldies yeah. uh, circuit, right? You know, which which you know, I played the garden for the first time with that. Oh yeah, with who? You know, everybody. Oh yeah, oh, you, know, you were just a backing band. Back. Oh no, I was with Dovells. Yeah, and then later with Dion. Oh, oh Dion. But you know, in those days, you know, you had Little Richard, Jack Berry, Bo Diddley. I mean, everybody was so you on played the show. Every- oh yeah, so you're there. Uh, yeah, I wasn't playing with them all. But you were but hanging I, out but on the same show. Nice. It was nice for me because I'm meeting all these cool people, but they're all pissed off. You know, you felt the, the bitterness. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because and, that's know. where they because they were stuck there to make a living. Yes, it was yeah. so suddenly they had their lives taken away, as opposed to the very next generation, starting with the second generation, starting with the the Beatles and Stones and yeah. the second generation. The fans would go with them forever, all the way to stadiums, and are still with them. Yeah. Still, right now, the right. biggest acts are, are right, McCartney see. and the Stones, and those kids you know? are now seventy. Yeah, <laughs> right. was, you know, but why did that first generation get get shafted? I, don't, I will never know. It's just one of them crazy things. But anyway, so I'm, I'm on that I'm on that circuit, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I said to myself, I've been writing songs five, six, seven years, whatever it was by then. Yeah, and I and I just hated everything I was doing. So I said, let me go to school in my head. Yeah, okay. Right, yeah. So, so where does it start? And I'm thinking about it. You know, looking looking back in history, I said, okay, it starts with with Lieber and Stoller, right? Yeah. Jerry, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller to me is the beginning of songwriting in that sense. You know, uh, that became 
the the song the songwriting uh, that we know, you know. So and let me Do- let- and Doc Pomus too, or Doc. Well, yeah, yeah. The, all the, the all Pomus and Schumann, and, and, yeah. and you know the Brill Building, and yeah. you know all that, you know. Right. But but for me, you know, I I just picked that Lieber Stoller yeah. for me, you know. Which song uh, was your Lieber and Stoller song? Well, I liked. I mean, I I dug everything back to Hound Dog with Big Mama Thornton, and, oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I mean, uh, Kansas City was no slouch. Uh, Jailhouse Rock. You know, stand Those by me. Those are their songs. Yeah, yeah. No shit. Yeah, Ruby Baby. Oh, uh, forget it. You know, the best. These guys are like, you know, the killers, right? Yeah. So I said, okay, I'm gonna write a Libra Stola song. Yeah. For the Drifters, in, you know, in my head. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so I wrote, I don't want to go home, and, and and that was the first song I felt like, okay, that's a real, that's a real song. You know what yeah, I mean? That, yeah. that you know that that makes sense to me. In a historical sense, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I didn't have. I met Benny King, but I didn't have the courage really to give it to him. And at that point, I wouldn't have known what to do with it anyway. So <laughs> I ended up giving it to Southside Johnny, and that became the, the first record. But uh, but that was the beginning of songwriting. And that was a Drifter song. Yeah, that's wild. So I recut it for this new album in the original way I pictured it, which was the lead singer answered by the the background vocals. Right, on the one I just listened to? Yeah. I got to listen to it more closely. Yeah, yeah, it's a persuasion. Yeah, yeah. I use the okay. persuasions on the record. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So that was, you know. I know you did that, uh, that Blues Is My Business. Is, that, yeah, I, I actually did a couple of covers, which I've never done before, which was so much fun, you know. Uh, and Business Is Good, that's that, great. That's a great line, right? Yeah, it's great. I know, I wish I wrote it. Blues is my business, and you know, I'm open for business in your neighborhood. Blues is my business, and business is good. You know, I was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's okay, cool. that's this about says it. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's an Eddie James uh, song I covered, on, and a James, and I covered a James Brown song also on this album, uh, which is the first two covers I've ever done. You know, in my life, really, yeah. So it was, it was a nice uh, kind of opportunity that yeah. you record, right? Yeah. You know, by the time you get into business, you know, you got, you get your own thing going. And, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know. So this was a, a nice opportunity to introduce myself and including some roots, sure. you know. A lover of songs. Yeah. So I put blues on here. I put a doo-wop song on there. You know, things that, you know, really where I'm coming from. And, uh, Production's real crisp, real good. Yeah, thank you. Pops, yeah. man. Yeah, man. It's, you know, me and and I got a great engineer Jeff Sanoff and uh, and Bobby Clearmountain uh, mixing it so, it's, so you, know, he, you know he's good he's good for me because he I got a lot going on you know and, and he he keeps I, I I like a wall of clarity you know what I mean I I want you to hear where everybody's playing yeah but at the same time not too much separation yeah. you know so it's a it's a I got a weird kind of philosophy with with, with music that you know, Bobby. Bobby really seems to understand, and, which uh, is uh, the wall of clarity. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like I don't want too much separation because I, 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 you know, stereo was the beginning of the end for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you know, I don't need stereo. I don't need digital. You can just you can just wipe all that stuff out, okay? <laughs> yeah. And I would be just fine, you yeah. know. But you know, I, I, I want, I want that sound when you walk into a room and a band's playing. So you can pick out the you can pick out everybody's playing, yeah. But it's not it's, it's integrated. It's not it's not. It's I, not I, I, I can feel that. that you know? You know, now that you say that, I, I like you open the door. It's like wow, exactly. And then you're like, oh, that's that guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then you it kind of all comes together when you want it to, or you can focus on that guy. That's right. Yeah. As opposed to what Phil was doing, which which was genius, but but you know he was intentionally combining things so you don't really know what's going on you know what i mean uh he's yeah got, he's got 50 60 things going on yeah and you're not you're not hearing yeah them it's, all, it's a know? very uh, elaborate white noise yes you know but he, you know, he picks out the important <laughs> sure, parts you're gonna sure. hear you, 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 you know, the tambourine he makes make sure to riff <laughs> 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 he makes sure you hear the riffs and, yeah, uh, yeah. and you know but uh 
But yeah, it was, it was it's a slightly different concept from that. But it comes from Libra Strollers Productions. It comes from Motown. Comes from Phil Spector a little bit, and 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 you know the Curtis Mayfield records. You know, yeah, that he yeah. did uh, uh, with the impressions. Yeah, and, and then after even his solo stuff, you can hear all that stuff on this record. Yeah, and and Alan Toussaint in, in New Orleans. You know, Toussaint. The, yeah, I just got know. a few of his solo records. I've been getting into the vinyl thing lately, and I you know I'm not for me like all this stuff is new. Things are always new to me. Cause it, because I never heard it before. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, when you grow up, you hear the hits, you hear the music that you brought up with, and now I'm 54, and I'm every day is like I never listen to this. Oh this, yeah, it's, it's no, it never ends. No, no, it's a lot of stuff, man. It's a lot of stuff. I mean, when I started the radio show, I'm like, okay. I had to go back and listen to every record ever made because I don't want to miss anything. Good luck, you know. Yeah, you know. And I'm still, I'm still working on it. And you it's know, sort of amazing. like 15 years later, I'm still yeah. like, damn, I never heard. You know. So, I just listened to Ten Years After his first record, like yeah. for the first time. I go. don't know, you know, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a few things that get, get better. Some things get better later. Yeah. So you do, you're getting this education with these cats. So you know, when do you and Bruce sit down and start hammering this shit out? Well, I came back from that oldie circuit and started Southside Johnny Adbury Jukes. You yeah. know, and then that was your band. Yeah, me yeah. and Johnny, and and then, is he and still then, around? Uh, yeah, they're yeah. they're oh. still doing very well. Great, yeah. Um, and then and then we we found this club called the Stone Pony, which right, which the the, the roof had caved in, and they were going to close. This is like I'm picturing it. I may be completely making this up, but but I picture it being like July. And they wanted to stay open like one more month to get the summer crowd. Yeah. And then they're going to close the place. Right. Because it, it had been a hurricane. Yeah. And the roof kind of had caved in. Yeah. And so we went to them. And for the first time in history, we said to them, uh, uh, listen, we'll play for the door. Yeah. We'll keep the bar. But we're going to play whatever we want. Now, no one ever had done that before. Nobody yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah. You have to play the top 40. Right. What they call the top forty. So back the then. kids could understand what's happening. Yeah, and dance. dance. It was yeah. all about dancing back then. People yeah. were dancing in rock and roll, keep right. in mind, right? right? Yeah. You know, nobody's seen anybody dance to rock and roll in fifty years. But back then you you danced to rock and roll and your job you were a dance band. You right. got them dancing or you didn't work, you know? Yeah. And that was the same thing uh, I'm sure that was true for the Beatles in, in, in Hamburg and even the Stones, you know. Yeah. In in Richmond, you know, uh, you know, uh, at the Crawdaddy Club, you know, it was important that get people danced, you know, yeah. in those days. Anyway, um so uh, we got a chance to play whatever we wanted to, and we just starting. To, I was just starting to write. Like I said, we snuck in. I don't want to go home, and said it was a Drifter song. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, yeah I didn't say right. it was an original. Yeah, you know. And uh, but we started playing all kinds of different things: Otis Redding, Sam and Dave album tracks. You know, from those guys. This is with the Jukes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Temptations album tracks, and uh, you know, we introduced reggae. Harder They Come had just come out. And obviously, you're doing it with your sensibility, you, you know, because yeah. you know you guys are interpreting this music. Yes, yes. So we had that right away. We started to have a horn section, and so it started it started to be a, a combination of rock and soul right away. You yeah, know? yeah, right. And uh, figured that was going to be our our thing, you know. And it just happened organically. Yeah. So we did that for a year or two, and uh, I was not only leading the band, you know, but also. Uh, you know, managing it and doing all the business and yeah. and the, you know working with those club owners—they're all pain in the ass. Sure. So, so after a year or two of that, oh, so Bruce starts hanging out because his first two records did nothing, and they're and they're about to drop them. 
Right, Asbury right? Park and, uh, and uh, uh, E Street uh, Shuffle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did you know ten thousand records. But what, what was he? But when you guys saw when he got the deal, was everyone in the neighborhood like, "Here he goes, one of our guys"? Is like, oh know. yeah, yeah. It was it was thrilling? Yeah. That, you know that he that he got signed. Uh, but the, you know, he's making nothing. Yeah. In in the in the music business, sure. We we got a thousand people a night. Yeah. Three people, three three nights a week. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I haven't made that much money since. You know, I mean, I mean, it's like my entire overhead was one hundred fifty dollars. You know, yeah, for my apartment. You know, and we're making you know like you know nine thousand dollars a week. Uh, so Bruce starts hanging out with us. Yeah, and he had a little notoriety because he was signed. Was he to- depressed? No, 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 no. He was always very uh, philosophical about it. I mean, uh-huh. I'm sure he wasn't wasn't thrilled about it, but right. at the same time, he wasn't going nowhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, we were doing what we did. Like I said, for us, it became a lifestyle. Now, yeah, it was not. We didn't have that show business, right? Those, right. You know that that desperation, yeah. right? That show business yeah. desperation. Yeah. You know, in our heads, we yeah. were like, hey. We're doing this, whether we're getting paid or not, or yeah. whether we're famous or not. You know, so we're in it. We're in it, man, because we ain't belong yeah. anywhere else. Yeah, we're complete misfits, outcasts. Yeah, you know, freaks. Yeah, right. Yeah, we weren't gonna. Yeah, go no with, jobs. No, there was no job that was. <laughs> you know, it was right for us. No plan B, man. No. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's how you. That's that's the only that's, way. That's the only way, man. Because yeah. everybody who had an option in our neighborhood took it. Took it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And there's me and Bruce, you know, stand last guy standing, man. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, you know. Anyway, we. So he's uh, hanging around. So yes, yeah, so he's hanging around, and, and then um, so he got he puts out a third album. Born to Run, and he's got he's got like seven gigs booked, and that's it. And like the seventh gig is a bottom line, which is like a showcase. It's like kind of like the Roxy was. He put out here. Born to Run. You're not on Born to Run. No. Not at all. No. No. Uh, and, and and so he that's just coming out, and he has seven gigs booked, and that yeah. was that was gonna be like you know, curtains, man. You know, if something didn't magical, uh, something magical didn't happen. So he says, "Listen, I want to put the guitar down for a minute, you know, and just front. So come come play these last seven shows of mine, you know." And so I was I was anxious to get out of town. I was tired of fighting with the club owners all the time. We had to threaten. To go across the street, to go from five sets a night to three, yeah, which we had done, right, right, which was again made history in New Jersey because you know <laughs> yeah. you had to play five sets a night. Yeah, we got it down to three, which I thought was a major victory, but it was still a war every week, you know. Yeah, and uh, they're always trying to fuck you one way or the other, you know. Sure. And uh, so I said, you know what? Let me get out of town. I'll, you know, fine. Right. So I left for seven shows, and I stayed seven years. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Good time? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was it was fun. Uh that same right after that so seven shows, that bottom line thing was so successful. We we then came to LA for the first time and played the Roxy. Oh yeah. The and, trip to uh, LA. How and you know, that? and that was really uh exciting 'cause yeah. you know, you know, you look you look down from the from the from the stage and you know, there's Jack Nicholson and Warren right. Beatty and you know, and you know whoever you know, share and you know, yeah. it's like you know, uh, I was like, wow, you know, yeah, uh, we had never seen any celebrities before, you know, <laughs> right? You know, like I guess you know, celebrities in New Jersey, you know, 
unless they were mob celebrities, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so like, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, so was, that was really, really uh, the, very exciting. And you uh, went over to England with him, right? Yeah, yeah, that the was big freaky. Hammersmith. But yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a hell of a show, right? Yeah, we did four shows. Uh, Two in England, because one. like it, feel, it feels to me that like the Americans weren't locking in as quickly as it, it happened over there. Well, yeah, but there was no reason for us to really go other than Frank Barcelona, our, our genius agent, kept insisting on us going over there, and thank God we did, because now we are you know yeah. very very successful over there. But um, it was not a, a, a typical thing Americans did. No, you know, it wasn't so much to the audience, but the, the people just didn't bother to go over there. You know, and, and um, <laughs> do we have to? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was like that. <laughs> meanwhile, you know, we are now. It's like saving everybody's lives. Who, who, who those who did go, yeah. you know, very happy they did. But um, what was remarkable about that first trip to England is for no reason at all. Somebody filmed it. And, and recorded it, you yeah. know, and I mean, we were we were nothing. We were absolutely, you know, there wasn't even any hype or anything. It was, you know, it was it was around that same seven. It was around that first tour, yeah, right? Yeah, like uh, after, well, third album after the, Born to Run, the right? Born to Run tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and so when Bruce later, when, when he was thinking about a re-release, you know, whatever, twenty, thirty years later, you know, you know, fairly, fairly recently, yeah. And he, and he lo- he's looking in the archives, and he saw you know he saw a video. He said, "Oh, maybe somebody took a little." You know, a couple of minutes of a song, yeah, you know? Yeah. He l- pulled it out. It's an entire show and recorded like a 24-track. I mean, <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. You didn't I even mean, know it was happening. No. <laughs> we didn't know it was happening. We didn't know why it was happening. Why would anybody have done it? We were nothing. We meant nothing, okay? Yeah. And it was just a wonderful little, um, you know, thing because we were right in Time between. Capsule. Yeah. We are yeah. right in between being a club band. Yeah. And uh, an arena band, yeah. right? Yeah. And so you capture that wonderful uh, transitional moment. And it's also very freaky. The lighting is very freaky because Mark Brickman, our, our light guy, yeah. that's the first time we ever played a theater. Yeah. Now in theaters, the spotlights are in the balcony, right? Yeah. So we're doing we're doing a soundtrack. Follow spots. Yeah. Yeah. And they're right in your eyes. Yeah, so for the first time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, you know, is that necessary? You know, and Bruce is like, yeah, that's bugging me too. So we made Mark Brickman shut off the, the spotlight. Yeah. So if you look at that, that film, which is in the Born to Run re-release. Yeah. It's very freaky. It's very. It's all backlit. Yeah. So Bruce will come up to the mic to sing, and you don't see his face. <laughs> you just see an outline. You just see like an outline of him, kind of, you know, which is really kind of cool. You'll never see that again, because right. you know, obviously, everybody else would have would have had a spotlight. Because you, you wanted to see the audience. Yeah. 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 Very the, important. The spotlight will blow you out. And still is. Yeah, I still make them turn it down. Yeah, you know, because like, you, like you don't want to feel like you're just floating in space. I, I hate that feeling. <laughs> that's why. Weird, I, that's man. why I can't use those ear, the ear, the ear oh, monitors. Yeah, the monitors. You know? Yeah, same same reason. You know, you need to be in it. How yep. are your are your ears holding up? All right. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I'm, you know. So darkness is the first one you did, pretty much yeah. with him. Yeah, and and like. Because, like, I, I tell you, man, like, going over, like, some of your stuff and, and just, you know, and also listening to a lot of the stuff, because I, I talk to him, it, you, it seems like you guys, you were either on very much the same page or you influenced each other. I think both. Yeah? Both. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. We were strengthening each other because, you know, there was nobody else. You know what I mean? We, it was religion to us. So we were, we were deep in it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and also listening to very much the same things back then. And, yeah. Uh, 
and also you know, you're hanging out. So he's watching you in Southside. I mean, he knows the the the, the Jersey sound that's evolving. He's part of it. Yeah, he's yeah, got now, Clarence comes in at some point. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that was all our respective tradition. Yeah, which was just in our DNA. I I don't know why, you know, but it was in our DNA. You know, the next, you know, if you were born a year or two later, maybe it wouldn't have been. You know, but but we were still. What happened to that great '60s thing? You know, we were still very much addicted to that. The, what I call the Renaissance period. You know, that Renaissance period were was so influential to us, and we wanted to continue it somehow. You know, yeah, the structure is a little different. Like it's like it's rock and roll, but that soul structure, the the minor chords, and it's sort of like the storytelling. It's not. You know, it wasn't mainstream at that point. Right, it yeah. never was. It never was. Really? We, 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 by the time we our hybrid began, whether yeah. it was my hybrid or Bruce's hybrid, uh, neither one was fashionable, neither one was trendy. It was completely against what was going on. It's That's interesting, a, though, because, you know, like, you know, be, like those first two Bruce records, like, you know, uh, Asbury Park you know, is almost a Van Morrison record in, in some ways, right? And, and, and E Street Shuffle started to evolve, and then the Born to Run, that tune, boom, like the Spectre thing. And then big, by the time you guys do Darkness, yeah. yeah, then it's like, that's it. Darkness is where it happens in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I would say Born to Run yeah. was the beginning of uh, a break that was dramatic you yeah, know what i mean he, yeah. his songwriting and everything took a focus that was a bit more uh it was just another evolution that was really a, a noticeable evolution at that point you know from from a local kind of uh you know singer songwriter right to a more formalized okay this is rock and roll this is production you know, yeah, 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 yeah 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 i thought you were yeah. on born and run you didn't do nothing nope didn't help out at all. No, yeah, I did a little bit of the horns on Tenth Avenue, you know, um, arrange arrange the horns a little bit. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's about it, really. Oh yeah, yeah. You were around though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there, you know. I was yeah. hanging around, but uh, by then uh, the jukes had started. You know, we were, we were sure, doing jukes by then, right? Yeah. You know? So, um, you and, know. and on darkness, like you know, like the one thing, like talking to him. That like I didn't realize till after the fact, right? Because I mean, you guys you produced a couple records with him, like right? Yeah, River, River, River and, and Borny was yeah. yeah. Is that you know? And I don't know why I didn't put it together because I, I watched that I Vine, the the Jimmy Iovine the doc that but that was Born to Run that was making that right? Yeah, uh, Jimmy yeah. was the engineer on Born right. to Run. Yep. But but no matter what he did, and 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 I was mad that I didn't recognize it. He he's in, he's very hard on himself. Bruce is it seems. Well, back then it was it was you know it was a very tough period. I mean, born to run into it's right through darkness was uh, you know uh, Bruce struggling to find uh, himself and, yeah. and where he wanted to go and and, and you know fighting the uh, realities of the business and fighting with his manager at the time and yeah. a lot of you know, lawsuit and right uh, right right. Trying to get gain regain control of his publishing, which he had lost temporarily. You know, suddenly th things, things were spinning out of control. He's on cover of Time and Newsweek, which he didn't really want to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, he didn't want to. He didn't want to be considered hype. You know, he wanted yeah. to be. He wanted to be the real thing. Right. Yeah. So he's kind of in a in a hurricane of of uh, of distractions. Sure. And, and 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 you know, so the records. Um, Took took a lot of time and took a lot of uh, a lot of blood, you know. But also, I imagine the way you're describing it, probably a nice escape, like to be in the studio and to have that no, thing, that one thing. No, you're... no, 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 no. That didn't happen until 
I produced the record. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the river was the opposite. Because I, I, you know, basically, you know, we, we go through this darkness thing, you, yeah. know, you know, and I'm helping with the arrangements at that point, but I'm not a producer yet, you know, and and, and we start to do the river, and I, and I said to him, I said, listen, man, I, I can't go through this again, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't watch you go through this. It's not, not a, nothing to do with me. What's the all-night kind of nitpicking? And, oh, you no, know. forget it. Yeah. You know, months and months and months <laughs> of just torture. You know, it was torture. <laughs> yeah. I said to him, I said, listen, man, I I, I, I don't want to see you go through this again, you know, so I'm, I'm just going to split, you know? And he says, no, 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 no. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make this record with me. You're going to produce this record with me. I said, for real? He says, absolutely. So I get us into the power station yeah. and Bob Clearmountain, who right. I, had, I had checked out, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of a camouflage, but basically I had to, you know, I had to try and, get where I felt we needed to go. And suddenly- With Bruce. With Bruce, we were in the right place suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly we found the right room. Yeah. And the right sound. And now it's a pleasure to go in and record. Okay, Uh, finally, you know, it was like- He trusted you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But but he you know he could hear it everybody could hear yeah. it you know and yeah. John, John Landau was right there you know he yeah. he wasn't you know nobody was uh, objecting to it it was just right. finally just finding the right room but I had done a whole lot of research by then trying to figure out why the drum the drums sound great on every fifties and sixties record and sound terrible in the seventies you know yeah you know why what what's going on you know yeah well, I figured it out it was the way they were biked. You know, in the old days, there were mic but overhead. Right. You know, and then suddenly in the 70s, began close miking. Stick know, a be- mic in the bass drum. Yeah, the engineers took over temporarily. So a set had like nine mics. Yeah, well, yeah. It, well it wasn't th- that as much as the close miking, you know, so they could have extreme separation and control. Right, right, right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, extreme separation and control, not exactly rock and roll, uh, good, good for rock and roll, really. Yeah. So you want to have the overheads... You know, and you want to still want to have some some separate miking to to to, to uh, control to some extent, but but you know, so it was it was that combined with the tuning. I realized all of the early guys, all the early drummers were were, t- were trained by jazz drummers, mm-hmm. and they learned how to tune the drums. Plus, they're playing with their wrist up, right, right, yeah, and playing lighter, yeah. And what I discovered was the lighter you hit a, a, a well tuned snare drum. The lighter you hit it, the bigger it sounds. No shit. Okay. Yeah. If you hit it, you know, like like you're you know hitting a, like a caveman. Yeah. Right. Bonham style. It it <laughs> it blows out the the snares. The snares do not the, resonate. All oh, right. I'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's just right. like thuds. Boom, thud. It's a thud. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. Right. Basically. So I'm discovering all this stuff now and anxious to put it to work. You know, which we did. Yeah. And 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 we, you know. And he came with that with the river. Yeah. You what know. a vast, like, uh, uh, elaborate musical landscape that was, yeah, huh? Yeah, man, yeah, because it was all building up inside him. And he, he he actually has started writing like a like a demon on darkness. I mean, Born to Run, I think uh, he wrote nine, like, eight and a half songs, and, like, you know, eight of them were on the record. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, right. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It wasn't, like, a ninth song, right? <laughs> that was it. Darkness, he writes 60 songs. No shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We need 10. Yeah. And uh, you know, and you could tell from these outtakes, there you know a lot of really good stuff. So he starts during that darkness and river. I don't know. I never counted them, but it's probably a hundred or a hundred and twenty songs. 
Did you record them the, all? Yeah. No shit. And at this point, a lot of them are out. A lot, most On of them tracks? Are out. Yeah, tracks, the Darkness re-release. Yeah. Uh, the River re-release. Uh-huh. This whole, they all accompany with, with an outtake album. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's great stuff not not good not like oh it was it wasn't good enough to be on the record yeah this stuff should have been its own album right that's how good it was i wonder okay? why he didn't do that well he was you know again being very very hard on himself in terms of the identity and you know and that's what he needed to do at the time yeah, you know yeah. i mean he he realizes now because he thought some of the stuff was too obviously influenced by this or that you oh know? yeah you know it wasn't enough him right you know what i mean oh, but but it was he was quite wrong about that because if you listen to it now, it's very obvious. It just all sounds like him. Yeah, it's a, it you know? sounds, yeah, definitely. And uh, yes, there's some influence in there. So what? Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> everyone's influenced. So, but you know, he, he had to do what he had to do. You know, and you know. And born in the USA, you did too. Born in the USA, I did. That was uh, we we got to the point at that point where we said like let's even t- let's take it to the next level and not rehearse at all. Huh. We went to the studio. He taught us a song once. Yeah. Right. We you know, we had a couple of arrangement things maybe here and there, and then we would cut it, and then if you wanted to sing it again, we played it again. So on on the eight or nine things I did on Born Born USA, yeah, there's nothing, no overdubs, huh. zero. Huh. You, know? you just repeat the whole take. Yep. As a band. Yep. That's yep. crazy. Yeah, it was a, a, no no reason. I mean, it's just completely just a silly thing to do, but we decided to do it. But it, make, it made a difference. It had to make a difference. How well, can... I don't know. I mean, looking back on it now, it's just kind of a silly thing to do, really. But but we just want to, you know, we wanted to maybe prove to ourselves that we could, you know, we wanted to, you know, I mean, the river was a turning point where we finally captured what the band sounded like on a record. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, Darkness to me was a tragedy. You know, I thought it was some of his best songs. You know, some of his classic songs. I hated the way that thing sounded. You I, did? Yeah. Why did that yeah. happen? Uh, because uh, we didn't know what we were doing, you know? Uh, you know, uh, rock and roll is is not one craft. <laughs> we think it's one craft. Right. It's five crafts, <laughs> yeah. okay? Right? You learned your instrument, okay? Yeah. You learn to analyze records and see what's going on on those records, which is the beginning of learning how to arrange records. Right. You perform, learn how to perform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's a very important step that people are skipping these days, mm-hmm. right? Because you need to learn how to interact with an audience, how to interact with your band, see how them songs affect people, and most importantly, uh, because you've analyzed the records and you're and you're performing cover songs, you now have established standards. Mm-hmm. You have these very high standards, which comes in handy for the fourth craft, which is writing. Right. Right. You go to write a song. Well, now. You got to write something that's in the ballpark of what you've been playing live, right? Yeah. Which is your favorite songs, okay? <laughs> yeah. You have something called standards, right. right? Yeah. If you skip that stage, you don't have standards, right? Which is what's going on now, uh-huh. right? And then the fifth craft is recording. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it took us whatever four, you know, what was that? Three, four, five albums to get it to get to, to get that. To did get you ever, that. did you ever think about later going back and re-recording the darkness stuff? I, I I begged him to let me at least remix it. Can I, can I please <laughs> remix it? He says, "What are you nuts?" He says, it was, "People gotten used to this thing by now." You know, it, it, it never it never bothered him. In fairness, it never bothered him. Uh-huh. It never, never never bothered anybody really, right, but right. me. You know, I was like, man. <laughs> I did, you know, this thing could be so much better, so much better, you know. But uh, yeah, he no remix. He wouldn't let me mess no with remix. it. No, no, no. That's no. hilarious. No. So uh, why? How did? Because I listened to the uh, uh, the the sort of uh, the demo of Born in the, in the USA on tracks. 
the the sort of like haunting song born in the USA how did it shift from that to the anthem well he just he was messing around at that point with some some acoustic things some electric i mean that was that was where uh, uh you know Nebraska came out of that period too right you know? that, so you know reverby acoustic yeah that's just like acoustic stuff that yeah. he was fooling around with cuz he always had that in him that part of him that was that that folk guy yeah. that yeah, folk yeah, sure. you know yeah. you know that's the one thing you know we're 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 most different probably you know yeah you know you I, don't got I, that in there no and I, and I, but I appreciate it <laughs> yeah and I was the first one to recognize that Nebraska should be released you know it it was to me it it, it was he did it as a demo and I was like this ain't no demo man. Oh, so Born in the USA was originally on those demos? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, it, it does was, sound like that. It's, you know, a, it's a really haunting, that one. It was in that same period, yeah, you know, yeah. so, so you know, but whatever. And yeah, then you kind of, you know, you toured with him for a while and then you went your way? Yeah, I split, man. I did say, you know, I did produce, you know, most of Born in the USA and, and then split and then I made two solo albums while they were still working Fighting on Born in the fight. USA. Yeah. You know, yeah, I got obsessed with politics yeah. and got into, you know, uh, just trying to... Um, you know, shed some light on things I felt needed. To, you know, yeah, and you produced some other stuff too for Asbury, uh, for uh, Southside. Yeah, Johnny kept me. I did three Southside records. Gary you know. U.S. Bonds. Well, yeah, uh, Bruce started that and then brought me into that. We did two albums with Gary Bonds, and then um, yeah, I would start producing other people after that. But but uh, mostly friends. You know, what yeah. I mean, I never did it as a living, as a as a as a job exactly. You know. So when you get but, the call, who got the call for the Rising? You know, like, how did that come together? Um, well, we were, I guess we had the reunion by then, right? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, so he, he just, yeah, he just decided, he had like 99. Or, yeah. He just decided, you know, let's let's put the band back together. And uh, we had been talking about it, you know, through the years, you know. Uh, we stayed friendly all those years. And, and I, I just said, you know, maybe it's time because... Uh, you know, you look at these polls that come out every year, you know, greatest bands of all time, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was watching, you know, you, you start off as like, you know, number one or yeah, so, you yeah. know, then you're like two, three, five, ten. You're slipping, huh? You know, you, know, you know, by the seventh or eighth or tenth year, you know, you're like basically off the charts, you know. <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah, maybe it's time to come back and remind people that, uh, you we're know. We're the best band in the you world. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it was, it was certainly one of them. And we're no longer in the top ten, okay? So I think it's time maybe to come back and remind people, like, what it's really all so about. So you guys were already a band when the horrible thing happened. And uh, and then you guys, you know, because I remember that time after 9-11 where, you know, like there was this weird kind of like, well, when's you know Bruce going to chime in? You know, and then that record, like, what was the process of making that thing? Yeah, well, that was um, 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 Brendan, Brendan O'Brien. Yeah, uh, um, he had brought in a, a, a new produce? a new producer, yeah. right? Yeah, who did uh, two or three albums, I think. Um, and it was this sort of a different method. It was a whole different methodology. Bruce started to do demos in his house, and and uh, and then and then have the band kind of, uh, you know. Pop in, yeah, you know, like replace his stuff, and you know, what I mean, oh, it was, interesting. It's a whole different, yeah, it was wasn't different as methodology, unified. yeah, yeah, as opposed to the old way, which was working the songs up with the band, you know, right, right, you know, we were always very, very, we made a lot of contributions in the old days, you know, yeah, uh, to the arrangements and stuff like that. This was, uh, you know, it was a transitional thing to get back from being a solo guy back into being a band guy, which, uh, interesting, a tough transition to make, you yeah. know what I mean, and you know. He has both things in him, but but it took a minute to 
to you know get comfortable with that again. I'm sure, sure you know. But you guys are still tight. Yeah, oh yeah, very. Yeah, very. He came out to support my first couple solo uh, shows. Yeah, and, did he uh, get up there and play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just uh, made sure I supported him on his opening in Broadway. And uh, how was that? Great. Was he tell some stories and really play great. some songs? How's it work? It's different than you'd think. I mean, uh, it's a little bit uh, a little bit of a surprise because it's it's quite a, a different medium, you know. And 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 he uh, has again redefined himself in that medium. You know what I mean? Well, I talk, a, I just talked to him last year, you know, and he's been was very thoughtful. And obviously, the book he you know kind of revealed a lot about himself. Uh, I was you know I was it was you know it's he's an intense guy. So yeah. So what is the elements of the show? You can't get tickets anymore. So tell us, Steve. Well, I, tell I, us. I, 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 you know, I get a feeling. I mean, he hasn't said anything to me about it, but I, I think after Broadway, I, I, I can't imagine him not taking it on the road a little bit. Yeah. You know, so maybe he'll come to LA with it, but, but I don't know. I don't know that. Okay, that's not that's not uh, right. that's uh, not me giving any any inside information. We didn't talk about it, but. But it's that good. If, if I was him, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm looking at what he's doing. You got to go to London. You got to go to, you know, maybe Stockholm or, you know, so wait, L- so L.A., is, Chicago. Is, so was there, is there a story? So, he come, yeah, he comes. I mean, it's book-related, certainly, yeah. you know. Uh, but he, uh, he comes out and, and, you know, what I was worried about, because I, I went to a preview as well as the opening. And, yeah. Um, I was hoping that the audience would respect the protocols of this medium okay oh, right, right. you know what i mean I was, behave themselves I, I honestly god i was <laughs> yeah. i was in a little bit of a panic like are they gonna start yeah. calling out songs yeah you know right I mean? yeah, yeah you know is it gonna be like oh no yeah and they were totally cool you know well, there, a lot of them are grown-ups now steven <laughs> yeah but that doesn't mean you don't call out songs <laughs> and start you know clapping along yeah, and yeah, doing right, things right. like yeah it's not appropriate oh no shit. you know you know yeah. what i mean but he comes out and starts to- talks first before mm. he plays anything. So it sets up this. Yeah. Okay, you know it's a serious night, and uh, and even though he's got some funny things in 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 his raps. Yeah. But but, uh, but you know he establishes a sort of uh, seriousness to the medium. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That everybody just adapted to immediately, which sure. is wonderful. So he, you know you you you'll love it. I he's mean, got people, hell of a presence, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing. <laughs> It's a small theater. It's under yeah. a thousand people. Right. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're you're in Bruce's head for a little while. Yeah, man. And yeah. and that, and that is a really, uh, it's an interesting place to be because you know, uh, again, the book obviously revealed a lot. Did it, you it, did yeah. you think he got it right in the book? Yeah, the it was a, a really 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 well written. I yeah. mean, I was I was even surprised how how you know. Yeah. Because it didn't have to be that good. You know what I mean? To be good, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, wow, this is better than it needs to be. Did it jog you know? into your memory a little bit? Did he like pull things out where you're like, oh, shit, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, some of that, the early stuff in Asbury yeah. was fun to, yeah, to yeah. read about. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You kind of go back to that feeling of, it's a, it's a, it's an odd liberation when you, you know, when you got nothing going on. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Oh, was, yeah, you yeah. Absolutely it's all ahead of you. Nothing. yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't know what's ahead of you. That's the thing. <laughs> That's right. You yeah. can't really truly enjoy it because you don't <laughs> yeah. know what's ahead. Yeah. You know? But you're just there. You know, yeah. you're just there kind of living in the moment and there's a certain liberation, you know, liberating feeling to that too. So uh, what about the, uh, you know, we talked a bit about this record, but the acting thing, you, you enjoyed that? Is that something you're going to do more of? Yes, I loved it and I'm going to do more of it. You I are? Got, I got, oh yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna cr- I'm gonna try and create my own show now. I, you know, I didn't took, you create one? No, I took I took what I learned from Sopranos and, yeah. and took it into Lilyhammer. Right. Um. And I and I was, but I started. You know, that one craft became like five because yeah. I started. I co-wrote it. I co-produced right. it. I, I directed the final episode, and uh, did the score and 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 the super for Lily music supervision. Yeah. So I want to I want to I want to continue that. I want I want to uh, it's play kinda, another mobster. Uh, well, we'll see. Maybe <laughs> people like me as a mobster. You know, you don't want to mess with the people too much. You know what I mean, once, once they, you know, I'm one of the very few people on earth. Okay, once an audience defines you, yeah, that's it. Okay, first of all, you're lucky if an audience defines you because sure. that means they found you. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, and they, and they, and that's very, it's very rare for somebody to go from one medium to another. Yeah. Because you know they define you as that. You know. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very lucky because they, they completely accepted me as an actor. It was such an yeah. interesting. I just rewatched The Sopranos uh, like a year ago. The whole thing yeah. again. Just watch it all the way. I gotta through. do that. I gotta do that. It's pretty great, <laughs> you know, because like you forget that there are some episodes that are sort of like, well, that was an interesting one. Like, like not a lot happened. No, you see, this is the this is the mistake that they're making in TV right now. Yeah. Okay, they, they, everybody thinks it's all about plot. You know, yeah. plot driven. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We can't remember three plots in the entire Sopranos, right? No. It's all about character, man. Right. It's character driven. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, that's what my scripts are, you know, and that's what I'm trying to tell these TV people. I'm like, listen, man, you know, I'm sorry, but name me like five great TV shows out of the hundred that are on right now. And then, you know, can't name them, you well, know? And the thing about your character in The Sopranos was weird because, like, initially, you know, you're like, is this guy a clown? Is this a comedic guy? You're right? Because you kind of think that, it, 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 like, at the beginning, like, because you were so quirky. But then all of a sudden you're killing people, and you're like, oh, fuck. That's not- <laughs> they, were, they were very well-written characters. Yeah. They were, they're quirky. Yeah. They're eccentric. They're not what you necessarily would think is a, is a, is a, is a cliche of Did a gangster. Did Jay think of you as funny? Well, we had, a, we had that in the character, yes. Right. But- Subtly, really, you yeah. know, it was no, uh, definitely. It, it was yeah. it was uh, you know the you know this very cool uh, guy who was in charge of keeping Tony Soprano alive, basically, and the only character on the show that did not want to be the boss, right? Yeah, very comfortable in that role. Oh yeah, I remember when he had to be the boss for a minute. It was not good. No, not not comfortable, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And so you know, uh, we we used a little bit of humor when he when he he would when he would vent his frustration, like at a card game yeah. or at his daughter's uh, soccer game. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that was the humor. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. let him let him go nuts when it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. But you right, know, yeah. but in life and death matters. He totally He's cool. right. Showed you, up. You know, yeah. So. Are you like that in real life? Do you feel like that you've been that way for for Bruce or for other people in your life? Well, yeah. I I basically use my relationship with Bruce for Sopranos. Yeah. That's what it As was. a grounding influence. That, well, that's what it was. That yeah. relationship of being the guy behind the guy and, yeah. and you know, uh, you know, being there as an underboss, as a as a as a consigliere, you know, sure. as, as an advisor, yeah. you know, as a friend, yeah, right. That was it. I mean, when I wrote the biography of my character, I'm like that. Him and Jimmy, you know, him and Tony Soprano, yeah. grew up together, sure, you know, yeah, and had that relationship all along, right. You know, which helped me because I was the first time as an actor, so I was able to rely on that. What that dynamic was, I knew sometimes I had to be the only one bringing the bad news. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was the only one not afraid of them. Right. 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 You know, the yeah. only one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we're lifelong friends. Yeah. Right. So yeah. when you're the only one not afraid of them, you get, you're the one that's got to be the bad, bad news because <laughs> yeah. everybody else is too afraid to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or think they're going to get their head get chopped whacked. off. Yeah. 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 You know, where I could say, listen, you know, Tony, you know, Silvio could go to Tony and say, you know, 
And then we had some scenes like that. You yeah, know, sure. That were, um, and you had that kind of situation with Bruce. Maybe not as dire, but you know. But yes, yeah. you know those those moments have happened. And, yeah. You know, and, and you take you take the uh, you take the heat, man. It becomes a yeah a confrontation. Yeah. Uh, of of you know. Who wants to hear bad news, right? Yeah, you know, right, you right. know, and yeah, you blame but, the messenger, right? Sure. <laughs> you know, but so. they know, but they know you well enough to wait it out. You know, you, you know, you're gonna take it, but then you'd be like, "You're all right." That's right. that's right. Yeah, that's how it is. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you know, you, yeah. you survive it. You survive and it. And Gandolfini, that was he, what a great job he did. So sad that we lost that guy. Major loss. Oh my God, major man. loss. A, lot, a few lately, right? Petty's gone. Jesus. Oh, that, that hit me very hard. You know, I mean, we we've been opening every show with a Tom Petty song ever since. You know, because it's just uh, very, very, you know, special, we, guy. very similar. You know, I think so. Yeah, we uh, we we grew up the same way, you know, same influences, and uh, but also know. the space that you know both your band or or the Eastry band and and Petty's band hold in the American, you know, culture, yeah. you know, in the American songbook. I've always found to be similar. Yeah, it is. It's that it's that you know true classic rock of the seventies. Yeah. Uh, that was coming straight from the sixties, man. You yeah. know, with all uh, all the respect. So. That what was, songs you been doing? But um, I, I I've been opening with even the losers, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, great writer, huh? Yeah, yeah, man. And I'll tell you, man, I I love this new record. I really do. It really it does exactly what you said. Thanks for describing it that way. That 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 moment where you walk into the bar or the club and you hear the band. <laughs> that's exactly it. It's, yeah, and I, I also felt like I said, we're, people need a little sanctuary right now from the politics and. I mean, in the old days, I would bring the politics with me on tour. You know, okay, here it comes. Here comes a confrontation with politics that everybody needs to hear yeah. and needs to respond to, think about, and do something about. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, now I'm, I'm I'm exactly the opposite. I'm bringing I'm bringing like a bit of sanctuary for yeah. two hours. You know, a little here rock we, and roll. Well, it's just a very musical show with this yeah. band. You know, it's a very right. very you know, fifteen pieces. We're covering. 10, 11 different subgenres of music. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, yeah, right. It's really the history of rock and roll. Oh, great. From doo-wop and blues right. yeah. to rock and soul to reggae and salsa, hard rock, folk rock. It's yeah. all in the show, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's a real trans you know tra transportation you know we're transporting people to a musical place that i think is very uh I, I think nourishing you know i think it's spiritually nourishing right now which i think we need more than just more political yelling you know, you know, yeah sure. i mean you know we're getting enough 24 7 man yeah you know get the I mean? human spirit thing going really that's yeah. where i think that's that's the purpose now you know i'm, I'm sticking around i mean I'm, I'm gonna do i'm gonna keep making records now and keep touring and find a way to tour yeah and then i'll and then you know me and you know we'll, we'll go every other summer with the east street band or whatever yeah, yeah. and hopefully do a new tv show in the winter so. wow busy guy and it was great talking to you look well i'm glad you're healthy and the record's beautiful and it was great great meeting you thanks man you too Well, that was a fine conversation with Mr. Steven Van Zant. I wanted to mention, though, that he called me after the interview and said that he didn't finish a thought about fixing the Republican Party. He set it up, but he didn't finish it. And this is what he said to me. The way you do it is voting them out in 2018 on a state, local, and federal level. So he wanted me to add that. He didn't want to leave that hanging. All right, I mentioned the book. Go pick up the book, Waiting for the Punch, Words to Live By. Uh, from the WTF podcast for last minute gift idea. That's it. That's it. And maybe I'll, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do some blues noodling. If you don't mind, that's what I feel like doing. Tonight. Very clean, very Stratocaster blues noodling. 
little, little echo, maybe a little vibrato, but all from the built-in shit on the old vibroverb. Thank you. 